This episode of Proper English is brought to you by word stress and the idiom letting the side down. What on earth were you playing at in the introduction, Dave? Well, I'm trying a little experiment. Ali, placing the emphasis on the wrong syllables and words. Oh my word. Do you think you could stop it please? It's making my head hurt. But why is it <laughs> such a problem? <laughs> Ali. Stop it. <laughs> okay. Okay. You can blame Carla from Sao Paulo for I this. I will. I will. <laughs> Because if you remember, last week Carla asked for an episode about intonation and stress. Well, it's put me under stress so far, I can tell you. You know it's a different kind of stress, don't you? Of course. I was making a little joke. Very little. What we're talking about <laughs> in this episode is called word stress or lexical stress. It's the stress you place on particular syllables. I guess we should define syllables while we're at it. If you insist, Ali. A syllable is a part of spoken language, a single unit of speech, a combination of vowels and consonants to make a single unit in a word. Also, worth bearing in mind that although syllables can have more than one letter, a syllable cannot have more than one sound. Some words can have just one syllable. Mm -hmm. Cat, mouse, dog, horse, for instance. Confusingly, The technical term for a one-syllable word is anything but huh? monosyllabic. Ah. While some words have many syllables and we describe them as polysyllabic, proper, English, episode, idiom, and of course, anti-disestablishmentarianism. One of the longest words in the English language. 28 letters and 12 separate syllables. But what does it mean, Dave? It's pretty boring, to be honest. It describes the 19th century political position of opposing the belief that there should not be an official relationship between a country's government and its national church. I think you undersold the definition. <laughs> That's not pretty boring. That's very boring, Dave. <laughs> But I have to ask, what's all this got to do with word stress? Good question, Ali. And I can answer it quite simply. A lot. Mm. And this comes back to the introduction, actually. You see, if you want to communicate clearly when you're using the English language, it's very important to stress the right syllables in each word and the right words in each sentence. Ah, right. Okay. So you have to pronounce one syllable in a particular word with more emphasis than the other syllables in that word. Yep. And there are rules associated with word stress. But as with most rules in the English language, they're more guidelines than rules. Hmm. Not completely accurate there, Ali the Cynic. Hmm. There are two definitive word stress rules. The first one being only the vowel sound within any given syllable is stressed. You don't stress a consonant sound. Ah, yes. Like, for instance... The word instance. Uh -huh. If you listen to the way I said it, you can hear me putting the emphasis on the I, the I in the first syllable. Instance. 
Not on the consonant sounds. Yeah, because that would just sound wrong. Inst and s. <laughs> we just don't do that in English. And the second consistent rule is no matter how short or long a word might be, only one syllable will have what's known as primary stress. The syllable that receives more emphasis than the others. Exactly. Of course, words with just the one syllable just have single stress. Stands to reason, doesn't it? You can't just add another vowel sound willy-nilly. That would make it into a multi-syllable word. Madness. <laughs> so, on to the less definitive rules. Guidelines. Well, yeah, I guess. These are often quoted as rules, but as I often say to my students, for nearly every rule in English, there is an exception. See? I knew you'd come round to my way of thinking. <laughs> anyway, one of the conventions you will often hear is that nouns and adjectives with two or more syllables will have the stress on the first syllable. The cherries are tasty. Emphasis on che and te. Tasty cherries. I suppose this is common knowledge. Common knowledge. Com and no receive the stress there. So that's simple, isn't it? Well, you'd think so. But as you liked the cherries, why not try banana? Listen to where the stress is in banana. Banana. Mmm, delicious. Oh, delicious. Exactly. Tricky, mm. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it is. And then there's the general guideline that verbs and prepositions have to stress on the second syllable. Verbs we've used before here, like receive, receive, and insist, insist, or define, define. But, there's always a but, isn't there? Mm. Other verbs we've utilised elsewhere, like listen, mm -hmm. and hear, mm -hmm. hear, yeah, and utilised, they all have the emphasis on the first syllable. And mostly... Prepositions have the emphasis on the second syllable, behind, across, despite, except, etc. But of course, there are a few exceptions. Under, over, into, onto, after, during. There are probably others. Bit of a headache, isn't it, this emphasis business? Stressful. <laughs> <laughs> now... There are some words that, depending on which syllable you stress, can function as either a noun or a verb. Now, you can contest this, for instance. Meaning you can disagree or dispute this. But it's not a contest. Meaning a competition or a game. Ha! Huh, that's great. Are there more? Of course there are. It's a favourite subject of mine. But I don't want to subject you to too many because it might be a little confusing after a while. Awesome. Oh, I know one. Before we do technical episodes like this, we have to do quite a lot of research. Uh -huh. But that's OK because we both enjoy researching this kind of thing. Perfect. I'm going on record to say how much I enjoy thinking of examples of these dual purpose words. In fact... We're recording it right now. And of course, there's the classic, what do you call a place without any water and loads of sand where hardly anything grows or lives? 
Oh, I'm good at these. I'm good at these. Easy. It's a desert. Ah, yeah. But if I were to run away from you or leave you in the desert, what would I be doing then? Well, getting yourself into an awful lot of trouble, to be honest. Well, fair point. <laughs> but within the context of shifting the emphasis on the word, like we've been doing in the previous example. Ah, OK, of course. Then you'd be deserting me, wouldn't you? Very sad. Oh. Of course, if you add an S to desert, you end up with dessert, which is infinitely preferable, because we all like pudding. We do. Now it's time for Idiom of the Week. Idiom of the Week? So, you're 13 years old, and it's football in the games lesson this week, mm. and you're always the last one to be picked... So you end up in goal as usual, because it's the safest place for you, because the rest of the team are always near to the other team's penalty area. And somehow, even though you let two goals in, the teams end up drawing even, two goals each. Mm -hmm. And the teacher, doubling up as the referee, blows the whistle to signal the end of the game and shouts something that's guaranteed to chill the blood of every terrible schoolboy goalkeeper. Right, lads. It's a draw, so we'll have to decide it with a penalty shootout. Ooh, oh no. no. I feel sick to my stomach. My knees are knocking. I know that I'm going to let every penalty kick go past me into the net. I know that I'm going to disappoint all my schoolmates. I'm going to let the side down. Oh, Dave, that sounds terrible. It was. I hated all the ball games, football, cricket, you name it. Couldn't catch a kicker ball to save my life. <laughs> no coordination, you see. Words were always my thing, not competitive sports. Anyway, that's enough of my school days. Let's get back to this week's idiom. To let the side down. This is a particularly British or maybe Australian idiom meaning to fail to meet the expectations of your friends, teammates or family. I think the use of the word side, which is another word for team in the UK or Australia, is the clue here. I don't think you'd say that if you were American. Dave, you OK? You had a far away look in your eyes there. What? Oh, I was just remembering playing football in the sleet and snow and icy wind, red mead on the all-weather pitch at my own school. Dreadful. People often say that your school days are the best days of your life. Not if you're rubbish at sports, they're not. And here we are at the rather wistful end of another episode of Proper English. As always, we hope you've enjoyed listening in on our conversation. We really do. Why not recommend us to a friend? Or a colleague. Or a nephew. Or a great aunt. Or even an average uncle. Seriously, it makes us so happy when we get new subscribers. We also love getting feedback. Tell you what, if you think of any words that can be used as nouns or verbs, depending on the emphasis, why not let us know? Oh, good idea. And we also want to know what you'd like us to do better, or if there's something you think we need to discuss in a future episode. But how, Ali? How? Well, our email address is properenglish, or one word, at sapo.pt. 
or you can go to Instagram or Twitter or Facebook if you have them. So, until next time, it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me too. And thank you for listening to Proper English. English.